I have some really big news today. Today is Easter. Today, we celebrate the resurrection, and I'm guessing that doesn't catch you too much off guard. I'm guessing that's probably why you're here or why you are watching online. But just the fact that we might have been aware that this day was coming does not take away from how big a news it is. Just because we might have been planning for this day does not take away from how big a celebration this day is. Today is a day of tremendous joy a day of tremendous celebration because we come and realize the resurrection in Jesus Christ is true. Throughout all of the entire year, no day more than this day is a day for joy and for celebration. And I believe that we come wanting to experience that, hoping to experience that level of celebration and joy, But I wonder that if we are really honest with ourselves, as much as we might want it for today, we know that Monday's still coming. And so, yes, I want this new life and this celebration, but we've just gotten so used to death. I wonder how much we can enjoy the celebration. In fact, when I use the term death or termination, it reminds me literally in a job when you are sometimes fired. And so if I use the phrase this morning with you, fired up, I wonder which emphasis we hear more. Do we hear more of fired, as in done, finished, terminated, or fired up, as in joy and excitement and passion and possibility? If I were to go around to each one of us and ask us, which one do you hear more? I would guess, in the back of our minds, for more of us than not, there lingers the fired Part, more than the fired up part. And if that is the case, we're not alone here today. First, it was the ladies' turn in Scripture. They are making their way to the tomb here this morning. Jesus had told them that he would be crucified, that he would die. But on the third day, this day, he would rise again. Surely, this is what they had hoped for. But no doubt after the traumatic events of this past week for these ladies, they had watched Jesus die with their own eyes. All they could think of was death. And I'm sure they had forgotten that Jesus said on the third day he would rise again. Because again, death is all they could think about. How do we know that? Look at what they're doing in Scripture when they come to the tomb this morning. They are approaching the tomb bringing spices for goodness sake. Nothing says I'm expecting death like burial spices. They are literally preparing for death. That's what they're expecting. There's not much of a sense of these ladies being all fired up with passion and excitement as they approach the empty tomb, more just like finished, done, fired. But it's not just the ladies this morning. The guys are not too fired up either. They're walking on a road to a place called Emmaus, and a stranger comes up to them, but they don't know who it is. They probably didn't even notice him at first walking beside them. And I picture them almost walking in a fog or in a haze of their own grief. They are mystified and disturbed by the craziness of the last few days. Jesus is now gone. He's done. He's been killed on a cross, fired as it were. He's the one they had placed all of their hopes in. They were sure that he was the one, that he was the chosen Messiah who would save them. But they watched with their own eyes. He had died. He was buried. Their hearts were destroyed. No wonder they didn't notice this random stranger who came up beside them and started walking with them. 
They were so fixated on death, death was all they could see. And the movement they had hoped for was done. After all, death is death. No one overthrows death. Truth be told, I'm guessing many of us probably come with a similar sense in our own hearts. I mean, yes, we're excited today. We come and we want to share in this Easter joy and Easter experience, so we dress up a little extra. We anticipate some special meals and the Easter money and family get-togethers and chocolate and the holiday feel. Even in church, we come and right now we proclaim Christ is risen, Christ is alive, but how fired up are we really? Because deep in our hearts, we still wonder, is it true? Deep in our hearts, we still know that Monday after Sunday is coming. And we've just gotten so used to death. We're used to political bipartisanship. We are used to loved ones dying. We're used to cancer. We're used to betrayal. We're used to addiction. We are used to and even look for being fired as in done, terminated, more than fired up. But here's the thing, church. Easter is true. Not just in happy sentiments or sappy sentiments, but in reality, in truth, in Jesus himself. And if Easter is true, then never again are we left to ourselves to ever lose heart or despair or give up. Never again can we just come expecting death to win. Because if God can transform the evil, bloody crucifixion into a grand triumph, who knows what God can do with our setbacks and our dead ends and our failures and our frustrations and our apathy and our sin and our expectations of death. Because the resurrection is true, there is no place beyond God's redeeming grace. Because the resurrection is true, the story never ends with fired. It ends with fired up. Did you hear what those disciples walking to Emmaus described this morning? How they began to realize that the living, resurrected Jesus was among them, walking with them? Luke 24, 32 says it this way. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scripture to us? Do you hear their hearts began burning within them, which is to say they began getting fired up. And why did they start getting fired up? Because they had encountered the living, resurrected, greater than death Jesus. They met the person of Jesus Christ up close and personal, and it began to stir their hearts, burned away their doubt, fired up their devotion. Notice it's when they met the living person of Jesus Christ that their hearts began to stir within them. It's not the principles of Jesus that fire people up. It's the person of Jesus that fires them up. We come singing about the living Jesus today, and we in the church and our culture as a whole, we have this tendency to talk about Jesus and give information about Jesus. And we talk about being good and being moral and following the right principles at the expense of actually talking about Jesus, the person himself. And when we do that, we take the fire out of the fired up. Think about it. It's actually hard to get overly excited about five teachings of truth. It's hard to have our hearts burning by five principles to a better life. Only Christianity, unique among all the religions, presents truth 
as a person. It's why Jesus in John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. All other religions do their best to point to the truth. Only Jesus says, I am the truth. All other religions say, follow these five principles to get to the truth. Only Jesus says, follow me as the truth. On the road to Emmaus, it was not the happy ideas of religion or becoming a better person that made their hearts begin to burn within them. It was the reality of the living Jesus walking up to them, getting close, getting personal, that started to fire them up. What I love about this story is that even when these disciples are walking to Emmaus, even when they thought it was all over, God in Jesus had different ideas. Jesus comes up to them, meets them, and begins to fire them up. It's not over. And by the way, this is the same God who meets us this day, literally in this very place or wherever we might be worshiping this day. And maybe we, again, have folks who come reluctantly this day expecting some form of death. Maybe we haven't had the best experience with church in the past. Maybe we've been expecting or trained to expect Jesus as being dead in this place rather than alive. We've been presented with Jesus as being flat rather than multidimensional, as being apathetic rather than passionate, as being more fired than finished, than fired up and passion, and new life. But this Jesus will not let us live with a false sense of who he is. Imagine I wanted to come to you this morning. I'm going to do this, by the way. And I say to you, I love my wife, Jen. And I want to share my love with you and about her. And I want to share Jen with you. I can do that in one of two ways. Here's the first way I can try to share Jen with you. I could say, let me tell you some information about Jen. She is five foot five. She has blue eyes. She has long brown hair. She's a good cook. She's right-handed. She enjoys hiking. She enjoys the smell of a really good campfire. Her favorite food is chocolate, and she loves our dog named Duke. A particularly good name, I think, by the way. And most likely we'd say about Jen, as I introduce her to you that way, well, it's nice, which is code language for, that's boring, flat, lacking in passion. That's some nice information about her that you gave me. Or I could say to you, let me share Jen with you today. When I am with Jen, I often find myself captivated by her person. Her beauty and her passion overwhelm me. She supports me and loves me like no one ever has. She accepts me with all my flaws and all my shortcomings on a regular basis. She has a spontaneity that lights up my life and a kindness and a generosity that melts my heart. She loves fiercely, forgives generously, and sacrifices profoundly for me and for our family on a regular basis. Which of those invitations of knowing Jen fire up your soul a little more, make you want to encounter her? Hearing about the information of Jen or connecting with the person of Jen. The tomb is empty today, church, because Jesus has chosen to love fiercely, to forgive generously, and sacrifice profoundly for you and for me and for us all together. 
And that's not just information I am presenting us. It is who Jesus is, and it is my prayer that that reality of the person of Christ himself will meet us here this day and begin to fire us up so that our hearts also begin to burn. Today, Jesus burst forth from the tomb in order to, again, meet us up close and personal, to walk beside us and engage us, and not just give us five pillars of a better life, pointing us somewhere down the road to truth, but to meet us as truth. Today is not about fulfilling an Easter ritual. It's not about dressing up for a nice service. It's not about coming and just putting our time in. It is about encountering the experience of the living God among us, even when we may not recognize it, even when we might not be looking for it, so that our hearts again begin to burn as well and fire us up. If you will indulge me just a few moments, I want to show you something here. We're going to put up on the screens a car ad from the 1950s, and you can see the picture of the car. And what do you notice underneath the car? You probably can't even read it. There is a whole bunch of words there. In fact, there are so many words, it's even hard to read on the screen because they get so small. And if I were to say to you, how does this car advertisement affect you? My guess is you'd say, oh, it's fine. But it's kind of flat, kind of static. You can read a lot of information about the car. What was it in the 1950s that the car companies were trying to do to get you to buy their car? They were sharing a lot of information with you, hoping that as you absorb the information, you'd want to buy that car. There's nothing wrong with that. But in just given, being given this information here this morning, this information doesn't really let you know or feel how the car rides. This information doesn't let you know what it's like to sit in the car and have that new car smell. This information doesn't let you know what it's like to experience the wind blowing through your hair as you're riding down the road in this new car with the windows down and you can feel the breeze coming. You don't get any of that. It's just sort of a flat, static, here's the information kind of thing. But what's the difference between the 1950 advertisement and the one you just watched that was shown during the Super Bowl? The second advertisement hardly uses any words. Rather, it's all about the experience. People today crave experience. And the Jesus that we come and celebrate here this morning, we come and celebrate not just with information about, but in the living experience of who he is. This living, resurrected, leaves the tomb, empty Jesus meets us here and now and wants to have a living experience with us. It is my hope and my prayer that today we will not just attend a nice religious service where we'll hear some good information about Jesus. It is my hope today that we will again experience the living Lord among us, that our hearts will begin to burn within us, and that we too will get fired up like those disciples walking to Emmaus. And my prayer is that when Jesus shows up unexpectedly, and he will, folks, he will, just when we're walking along, just when we're minding on our own business, just when we're expecting death, swallowed up in our own thoughts, thinking he's not there, Jesus will show up. And I pray in those moments through the Holy Spirit, our, our hearts will begin to burn and a fire will begin to happen within us that we will see Christ walking beside us. See, they tried to fire God. That is, they tried to make him finish. They put him on a cross to kill him and have him be done, only instead to find out that this God fires up among us. 
leaving behind an empty tomb. It's not fired. It's fire up. And when this God fires us up, when this God comes walking along beside us, shakes us from death to new life, moves us from our preoccupation about death, and lets us experience life in Jesus Christ instead of just information about Jesus Christ, when that happens, the world is never, ever the same again. Some years ago, a pastor I know heard about a man, a former church committee member, who had landed himself in all kinds of trouble because he had taken up the cause of some refugees in his community. This group of refugees had been harassed and roughed up by the local police, evicted from their homes, even separated from their children and jailed. This man also happened to be an attorney and a longtime resident of the town. He had taken up their case and now was defending them against the authorities in town. As a result of him doing that, his home had been firebombed. His family had been threatened. And my pastor acquaintance wondered what in the world had led him, this attorney, to take on literally his community and their disapproval and to fight for the rights of those who could not defend themselves. Why would you do that? To which the man replied, well, you see, I really do believe that the man who, as a baby, was a refugee into Egypt with his family, a man who was pursued by the authorities and ultimately a victim of capital punishment, really was the Son of God. And I have no way of knowing this for sure other than that he was the only person who's ever been raised from the dead. I have no proof for my beliefs other than Easter is true. Jesus still arises from the dead. Jesus still walks beside us and makes our hearts burn. And this begins to fire us up because he still lives and he still gets up close and he still gets personal. Another man that I know used to own a successful business, a very unexpected and wonderful opportunity came up for him to be able to sell that business so that he, in turn, might be able to use his life in a different way. And he tried to start figuring out how it was that he could help others. He considered a number of opportunities, but none of them ever seemed right. One day, he was going along in his shirt and in his tie to apply for a position at an interview as an executive director, a executive director at an executive, excuse me, at a manufacturer association. As he was nearing the interview point, he was stopped dead in his tracks, or more accurately, in his car. And God spoke to his heart as clearly as if he were standing right next to the man, and he said this to him, Son, I didn't have you sell your business so you could stand or sit in an office and wear a suit and a tie all day. To which that man turned right around, called his wife, went home, and never went to the interview. Since that time, God has used this man and his wife in too many ministry opportunities to mention as the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. What happened? God got up close and personal, right in his face, or more accurately, in his heart. See, Jesus still lives, still walks beside us still makes our hearts burn, still fires us up. Today, church, is Easter. It is a day of joy and a celebration. It is a day of resurrection and ultimate joy. It is a day to get fired up because hear this good news. I come today not to tell you some good information about Jesus. I come to share this personal truth with you. 
that Jesus lives. He really does. He is here now in person to meet us, broken free from the chains of death and leaving behind an empty tomb so that we might know him deeply, intimately, and passionately, so that we might know him powerfully. And my prayer this day is that through the fire of the Holy Spirit, we will come to realize this truth and that there will begin to be a strange burning in our souls as well that we might start to see Jesus in places we never saw him before. Jesus is alive. The Savior is risen. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit, come and fire us up. Come Holy Spirit, fire, come and fire us up. Come Holy Spirit, come and fire us up that we might see Jesus alive and the tomb empty. Hallelujah. <laughs>